0: This is the 10-Minute Contrarian Podcast. This is VP. We are a solutions-based podcast, diving into the world of contrarian investing and alternative finance. You can find us hosted on the No Nonsense Forex YouTube channel, nononsenseforex.com, and podcast players everywhere. Episode 137 is brought to us by Bybit. Now, you guys know with me, I take my time when it comes to finding affiliate partners. I do a lot of research, and this research pays off. Places like Blueberry Markets, places like Bybit, Started out as medium sized brokerages, but they both did a lot of things right, and now both of them are much bigger, especially Bybit. Marcus.com was always big, by the way. And to no surprise, my subscribers have been enjoying these trading platforms for the better part of five years now, and Bybit is no exception. Go down to the show notes, click the link that'll take you to the blog, which will give you updated information. You can decide if Bybit is for you or not, and then get signed up, collect your sign-up bonus, deposit, and get trading because as my subscribers will tell you, with Bybit, membership has its rewards. It is the 10-Minute Contrarian Podcast, and I think this is a really good time for an episode like this. Uh, there's a lot of good offense out there right now. Crypto is doing well again, Uh, uranium stocks are getting very exciting, gold has been toying with its all-time high, and the United States stock market, the S&P 500, has reached all-time highs. It is exciting times in the investing kingdom. And when sentiment is this way, almost everybody out there, because they're inexperienced, stops paying attention to defense. And this is the single worst thing you can do especially those of you who are younger. I have people who listen to this podcast who are in their twenties and some in their teens and people always say, well, you should take a lot more risk when you're young like that. Okay. Maybe, and if for any reason to get some experience in, but for people who invest when they're younger, you always hear these romantic stories about how they made it all and lost it all and then made it all again and lost it all again. It's like, yeah, I made a million dollars in penny stocks or crypto and then I lost it all. LOL. Let, Let me offer these people a bit of an alternative. What would your life be like now? Or what would your life be like in five years, maybe 10 years, if you had made a bunch of money and then only lost like half of it? Do the math, please. It would be dramatically different. You don't have to wait until your 30s and 40s to not invest like an idiot. And if you can manage to do this at any age, your long-term growth curve is only going to go up higher because most investors make money in good markets and then lose a lot of it in bad markets. Now put that person side by side against somebody who also makes money in good markets, but does not lose their ass in bad markets. Hell, might even make a little bit of money in bad markets too who's winning that race? Contrarians, this is exactly how poor people and or people of average wealth close the gap and one day end up passing those with above average to high wealth simply by not screwing up. Now, there are going to be screw-ups in investing, but by simply not screwing up huge, you can become the second person In my little racing anecdote I just mentioned instead of the first and taking these things into consideration now, while there's all this upside excitement is how we separate ourselves from those other people, because none of those other people are thinking of things like this right now. You know, maybe older people are because it becomes all about wealth preservation at that point in time. Okay, fine. We're not talking about those people. Those people aren't taking any risk, but let's transition here. Let's put things in a different perspective. Let's separate ourselves from the rest of the pack even further. I'll tell another story. Um, Can anybody out there remember the lowest price you have ever seen a gallon of gasoline or a liter of gasoline depending on where you live? If you want to do the math you just take a liter and multiply it by four you'll get pretty close to a gallon. So my earliest recollection here was actually college because none of this applied to me until I was able to drive. And I remember, I kind of went to school in the middle of nowhere, but even further out from town, there was a gas station that had gas for 68 cents a gallon, and they were always the lowest. And they had a really nice big food mart too, so everybody would like take a pilgrimage out there to get their gasoline because we were a bunch of broke college kids. So why is the price of a gallon of gasoline five to six times more expensive now than it was back then? Did the cost of oil become more expensive to take out of the ground? Did it become harder to do? Did it become harder to refine? No. All of those things have actually gotten easier over time thanks to technology. What about gold? The price of gold does nothing but go up over time. It has for thousands of years. But it's gone up exponentially in recent times. Back in 1955, the average price of gold per troy ounce was $35 and now it's over 2,000 what happened did gold become 57 times more difficult to take out of the ground is there 57 times less of it in the ground no no none of those things are true there's about the same amount and it's actually become way easier to mine out of the ground thanks to technology you know the thing that's all in the news in the west right now why is food so expensive If you're dumb enough to still believe what the Biden press secretary says, she says it's because of Vladimir Putin. But you get where I'm going with this. The reason why all of these things are so much more expensive now is not because of supply and demand. All of these things actually did not get more expensive. No, none of these things did. Our money got worse. That's the only change. And if you look at the price of things over history, you will see just how worse it has gotten. And to make matters worse, every G20 country not named Russia printed copious amounts of money back in 2020. And because of this, they could no longer boil the frog. And people immediately started feeling the after effects of this money printing in a big way. So much so that we had to overcorrect just to get inflation down. And we will probably start printing money again in the next couple years. And by we, I mean the United States. And if the United States starts doing it, that will give the green light to other countries to start doing it as well. China's already doing it. So now we've created this doom loop where we just keep overcorrecting to each side, only making the situation worse in the medium to long term. And everybody is feeling it. How do we make sure this doesn't happen to us? We divest away from cash. So let's talk about cash. Let's start with cash. I've always said I think you should have a lot of cash, especially United States dollars, even though the value of it keeps going down the way it does. Why do I say this? Because I feel like a lot of things that will be worth investing in in the future are going to drop even further. So I want to have as much dry powder there as possible. Now I missed my opportunity to fire what I call bazookas at the crypto market because price didn't fall all the way to the levels I thought it might. So because of that, I have been taking my cash and moving a good portion of it to other places. Some of that has been offense, as we have chronicled here on the show and on Twitter. But some of that has been going to defense as well. And that defense has been primarily gold. I've actually spoken to people, not like you guys, but friends of mine, about gold. And they honestly think, and this is the mindset of most people, that if you put your money into gold if you switch from fiat currency into gold, that now all of a sudden you have less money and you might need that money. So it's better just to keep it in cash. Well, as we've already talked about at the early part of this show, no, that is not the best place for it. Two, you have the exact same amount of money. (laughs) That didn't change. If the price of gold goes down, you have a little bit less. If the price of gold goes up, you have a little bit more. But apart from that, you have the same amount of money. You have just moved it into something that does nothing but go down and moved it into something that doesn't. And that's called winning. Absolutely nothing out there has preserved its value better than gold has. You know, I don't know if you've heard the saying, uh, an ounce of gold should always be able to buy a fine man's suit. Gold is sitting at a bit over 2000 right now. And right now that could get you a very nice suit might even have some money left over for tailoring and this was always the case this was the case back in the 1930s this was the case 2,000 years ago whatever a nice suit looked like back then it has held its value so perfectly for so long this is why I keep saying it's the ultimate defense and if you allocate money over there and you need it you just cash out the gold if you have physical gold it might take a trip to the store You might lose 2-3% to on it, depending on demand, but you can liquidate it within a day. And if you hold paper gold, or a blockchain product, it's even easier to turn back into cash. Honestly, contrarians, that's one of the mistakes I made. I could have had all this cash ready to deploy, but I could have had it in gold. It would have retained its value better, and if the time ever came to deploy that cash, I could simply liquidate the gold, pay the tax on the difference, and still come out way ahead. I brought up that stat a few episodes ago. The United States dollar has lost its value 25% since 2016, which means a lot of other fiat currencies have lost even more than that. Now, this whole hyperinflation scare, dollars going to zero, you know, maybe after I'm dead, but no time soon. And I plan on living for another 40, 50 years. But as I said before, too, the good times are over. 2019 was peak humanity. And ever since then, people have gotten nothing but poorer. Over time. And it didn't have to be that way. As to how to buy gold and the best ways to do it, we have covered that on the No Nonsense Forex YouTube channel. Simply go there and run a search, and we have covered it on the podcast. There is no excuse not to. People will certainly come up with excuses not to. But if you can protect the money you make, you are winning while the rest of the world is losing. I bought more gold this past week. Yes, I am buying near all time highs. I am okay with that. You know why? Because if gold goes from 2000 an ounce to 3000 an ounce, it will probably still be a good time to buy gold, but I would much rather pay 2000 as opposed to 3000 So I want to allocate a bunch now, and I have. I have less cash than I did a year ago, because that cash is in contrarian investments, including things like gold, which is the ultimate defense. Now, we should mention Bitcoin in this episode, too, even though I have said Bitcoin is not really the flight to safety people think it is. It is an 80 vol asset, which means it has a volatility of 80, which is about the same as a small to mid-cap stock. Remember, too, the price, why did the price of Bitcoin drop the way it did? Well, we can all try and point to the very beginning. Was it the Elon tweet? You know, what was the case? But what was the catalyst? What was the accelerant that took it all the way down to 165 It was the FTX scandal, which by the way, had nothing to do with Bitcoin. So Bitcoin, this wonderful thing that's gonna change the world, and I'm not being sarcastic, I think it is, dropped 75%, mainly due to a scandal that really had nothing to do with Bitcoin. This is how volatile it can still be. Now I will say, because of the ETFs, because you now have these avenues for institutional money to come through, because of the social proof and legitimacy things like that bring. Because of all the billionaire investors who have not only invested, but are now speaking openly about it. I feel like this volatility is getting lower and lower over time. Long term, I'm a big believer in Bitcoin. And I believe if you have a long enough time horizon, this can be not only very offensive, but very defensive at the same time. Because it is a hedge against governments and all the stupid shit they do to money, and knowing what we know, how is that not a great investment? And if you're younger, you can allocate more money to it. My point is, not financial advice, allocate it to something like gold as well. Because even if you think the prosperity of Bitcoin is a foregone conclusion, you could still be wrong. And if you can just simply not screw up huge every time you screw up, you will end up miles ahead of everybody else. People think they're going to win this fictional race by putting as much money into things like Bitcoin as they possibly can. Now, this race is all about upside and downside. And if your entire financial life is on the blockchain, there are options there for gold as well. We've talked about it. I've done blogs about it. And finally, what is the one thing we champion here on the 10-Minute Contrarian podcast more than any asset I've talked about this entire time. Diversification. The one thing most y'all don't seem to ever want to do. And by the way, all of your excuses for not doing this are stupid. I've heard them. I know what the real reason is. You're scared because it's the unknown and people fear the unknown. Well, with a little tiny bit of research, the unknown becomes a lot more known. And then you fear it a lot less. Also, nobody ever became financially free by playing it safe all the time. Which is weird because to me, this is the absolute safest thing you can do. I said this in Discord yesterday. Most rich people that I know only have one bank. And that's crazy. This is why during downturns, by numbers, most rich people become not rich anymore. The ones who manage to stick it out become really rich. But the majority of rich people out there aren't actually rich. They're just levered up. They're very illiquid. And they don't diversify right. And this is why it all comes down to a crashing end during recessions. Contrarians, I'm going to say it again. This is how we close the gap between people like us and people like them. And not only close the gap, but pass them up over time. Not by making more money at our jobs, even though it would be great if you could do that. But simply by positioning ourselves smarter than your average person. And that includes rich people too. Because rich people understand their jobs very well, just like a poor to average person would. It's just their job pays more. But when it comes to what to do with the money they've made, their knowledge of that is really no more further ahead or behind your average person or your poor person. Well, maybe ahead of poor people because they don't do the dumb things poor people do. But it's not on some advanced level. So again, this is how we can close the gap. And again, it's you know it's not like we're really in competition with anybody. But you get what I'm saying here, right? Most of the macro people I follow who were right about everything before are saying the same thing now. Powell might have gotten inflation temporarily under control, but it's going to come back with a fury. And there is absolutely nothing he or anyone can do about it. And those of you outside of the United States, you know, if it happens there, it's going to affect you too. Probably worse. And the main thing is to not pass up rich people over time even though that's an added benefit the main objective is to survive what is coming and make sure not one event or one government or one anything can take you out i don't want to keep going back to all the ways you can diversify we've talked about that a lot on the show but i've mentioned in a blog post that there are four banks in the united states that are less likely to fail than the rest of them are We just had the banking crisis poke its head up a little bit this past week with New York Community Bank, which was the bank who bought out Signature Bank when it failed. I remember when they bought Signature Bank, the, uh, the CEO came out and had a quote, said, we're sitting on a lot of cash, which made people feel really good. But because nobody does any research, if they did, they would also have seen that New York Community Bank was also sitting on a lot of really bad loans and their stock tanked this week. I'm telling you, when this banking crisis finally does come up, there's gonna be a lot of information coming to the surface that is easily hidden when things are good. But once they're not, it all collapses on top of each other. So again, not financial advice, I can just tell you what I'm doing. I make sure I have one, if not two, of these large American banks. And for those of you outside of the United States, you can easily start a corporation in the United States, and then have access to one of these banks. And if you believe in FDIC insurance, uh, you get more in the United States than you do in any country in the world. You get up to $250,000 worth, which means if you have two banks, you have $500,000 worth of coverage. Now, before, we used to have a bail-in scenario where you were responsible for bailing out the bank, but ever since those three banks failed last year, the government has flipped and said, okay, now we're back in bail-out mode. So you take that for whatever it is. But you guys also know I've been getting other residencies and banking in some of these countries. I'm working towards a second passport. And overall, even though I am playing offense in some sectors, I am doing everything I can to absolutely bulletproof myself for what is a very shaky and uncertain future. And I want to make sure every time I play offense that I am playing equal amounts of defense at the same time. Because during these hyped up periods, it's easy to forget stuff like this. And with all this future upside available out there, you're going to sit there and play defense too? That's crazy. The opportunity cost is too great. No, you're only saying that now because sentiment is high. In the end, we're not crazy. We're just early.